0: But but we're starting here. This has been our theme verse, uh, Psalm 139 and verse 14. If you're physically able, let's stand up for the reading of God's Word this morning. And you should about have this memorized by now. Here it is. Let's read it together out loud. We'll praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. All right, that's been our, our, where we've been launching from, because we want to be able to look into the mirror and not say you're a monster, but to say you're, you're marvelous, that there's something that God has done when he made you, that you, you say, God, marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. Well, while you're still standing, just for a moment, I want to take you to another passage, which is going to be our launching pad today for my subject. And, and I just want to tell you about the guy that I'm reading from. He's, he's a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. And so... The reason he wept is he didn't necessarily like his job very well. And I just want to say it straight this morning. I think the, the toughest uh, tasks, the toughest calls in the, all of the Bible were the, the prophets in the Old Testament. I think they had the hardest task. Not taking anything away from the disciples in the new. Not, you know, they didn't have it easy. But these guys, they didn't have Jesus to preach about yet. And they had a lot of destruction talk and nobody liked them pretty much and so here it is here's his fight of not wanting to do what god called him to do but couldn't contain and keep it in and so look at jeremiah chapter 20 verse 8 and 9 it says when i speak the words burst out violence and destruction i shout so these messages from the lord have made me a household joke But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word, look at this, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's it's like a fire in my bones and I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. I wanna talk to you today on this subject I'm calling burning hearts because your devotion reveals your design. Whatever your heart truly burns for down deep on the inside of you is a key to who God made you to be. So I want to talk about that subject today, so go ahead and just high five three people around you before you're seated. Let them know you're glad to be sitting next to them today. All right. This last weekend, my wife and I were traveling out of town, ministering at another, another church, and we're about halfway there, and we get a call from our, our youngest son that uh, I, I'm, I'm not feeling very well. And, uh, well, what's going on? Well, um, my friend had uh, won this, this chip. This, it's just one potato chip, and it's called the One Chip Challenge, Maybe some of you have heard of it. If you haven't, Google it. Uh, I don't. Um, I don't recommend doing it. So he said, "Well, my friend had got this this one chip. It comes, it comes in a coffin. <laughs> it says it has a big warning label on the back, and says after this hell should be easy." <laughs> Eat at your own risk. So my son didn't read all the warning label. And they were, him and his teenage buddies were gathered around this one chip in a coffin box. And, uh, and of course, my son goes, I'll do it. I'll do it. So they start videoing. He opens up the chip and takes it. And, uh, and they're videoing the whole ordeal. Well, about 45 minutes later or an hour later is when we get the call. And he's like, no, I, I mean, like, I'm not feeling good. Well, I'm like, you had a potato chip. Buck up, right? <laughs> so I talk for a couple of minutes and pretty much hang up the phone. Ten minutes later, we get another call. It's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm like, I can't, I don't even know if I can walk anymore. I'm still pretty much doing the dad thing. Get over it. And, uh, well, we, we try calling back. He doesn't answer. And the next phone call we get is our oldest son. And he's, he's pulling the responsible, calm voice, trying to make sure that mom and dad are good, driving down the highway, out of town. It's like, so how's Landon? He's, he, he's going to be okay, um, but, but the paramedics are on their way. <laughs> no joke. And, uh, oh, all right. And uh, he's like, okay, well, they've taken his vitals now, and his vitals are good. And, uh, but they did decide to go ahead and take him into the emergency room. So he's having an ambulance ride. Because of a stinking one chip challenge. <laughs> well, he survived. He lived. So that's good. And uh, thank God for Maalox and lots of it. <laughs> but that is not the kind of burning heart that I want to talk to you about today. <laughs> The burning heart that Jeremiah talked about, obviously, was something down deep on the inside of him. This passion, you could call it. You could call it a passion for what God had called you to do. And I want to I define for you that a little bit today and take you down a journey so that you can, you can discover the, the burning heart that God has really designed you to carry. But I want you to know this truth first. Whatever your heart is devoted to defines you. Whatever your heart is devoted to It defines you. So um, let's take a look at Jesus just for a moment. One time Jesus shows up to church in his day and age and he didn't like what was going on. They turned it into a marketplace. And this is what it says in John chapter two. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he he told them, get these things out of here. Uh, Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy From the scriptures. Passion, that's like a burning heart, passion for God's house will consume me. So you see, Jesus' devotion, his passion, his burning heart, it, it revealed his design. He loves the church. He loves God's house. He loves the people of God. And when the people of God are being manipulated or the people of God are being sold something that is not what he wants them to be sold or taken down a road, he doesn't want that passion, that burning heart began to to come forth from Jesus. That's why in Matthew 16, when Jesus is having the conversation with Simon Peter, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not conquer it. You see, his devotion revealed his design. So I want to ask you, what does what your heart burn for? What, what are the things that 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 you think about all the time? What is the stuff that that you see in the world, the injustices that stir you? What are the things in life that that that, that bother you that you just you so desperately want to see it change? You see, Martin Luther King Jr., he, he had a burning heart. To see the end of segregation and racism. That's that's a burning heart like Jeremiah. And God designed every one of us to live with a burning heart. And and when when we discover that and unearth it, we discover who God created us to be. Nehemiah, he had a burning heart that the walls of Jerusalem would be rebuilt. Esther had a burning heart to save God's people, the Jews, from destruction. We have Moses had a burning heart to deliver God's people from slavery in Egypt. We have Joshua had a burning heart to take God's people, not just from Egypt, but into the promise that God had for him. What does your heart burn for? Some of you, your heart burns to see marriages make it. Some of you, your heart burns to see maybe clean water be, to, be, to be given to developing nations. Or some of you, your heart burns for children to, be, to, to find God at a young age. Or some of you, your heart burns for youth or young adults to, to begin to get passionate for Jesus in this generation so they don't have to go down, detour, dead-end roads like you did. I don't know, what does your heart burn for? Because whatever your heart burn for burns for, I'm here to tell you, that is a clue. It is a key to what God made you to be. So everything I've said, though, I have one problem with it. And and, and it's this. It's that when I look at Jesus and I go, his heart burned for passion for God's house. Well, Jesus's heart was pure. It wasn't wasn't corrupted. It didn't have sin in it. So I need to flip the script just for a moment with us this morning because the culture would take this message and finish it out like this. And would say, so because of what I've said, follow your heart. But I need to tell you another truth today hearts can be diverted in the wrong direction. Because this thing called sin got in every one of us. The same guy, prophet in the Old Testament, Jeremiah, this is what he's had to say about the heart Jeremiah 17. He said, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? You are encouraged today. (laughs) You came to church to feel better about yourself and you came to the right place. Check this out. If If you're not, well, just follow along to the story. Ephesians chapter two, New Testament. Look at this. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. That's right, you did. You obeyed the devil. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the what? He's the spirit at work in the hearts. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us. That makes me feel so good that I'm not alone. All of us, tell your neighbor, that means you. <laughs> Come on, tell them, don't you sit there looking righteously at me, right? All of us used to live that way. All of us used to live that way. Following, look at this, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. All right, so this is what I need to do today. Here's my task. I want you to unearth that burning heart like Jeremiah. I want you to begin to discover who God made you to be. But, and I want you to, and the only way for you, one of the ways for you to do that is to discover the burning passions, the things that God put inside of you. But the problem is I gotta know the difference between a burning heart and heartburn. Okay? I have to separate the burning heart that comes in my from my spirit and that passionate desires of my flesh. I got to be able to separate those two. That's why I can't steer this message. I have to flip the script so to speak. I can't just say so follow your heart because the Bible's pretty clear. Our hearts are desperately wicked. Who knows how bad they really are? So we've got to have a heart transplant. We've got we to allow the Lord to deal. Listen, to, here's the heart of my message. Listen to this. We have to let the Lord deal with the wickedness of our own sinful nature or we will never know the best version of ourselves. That's a good word right there. So I just need to know our hearts can be diverted in the wrong direction. Sometimes, sometimes we can get fired up about the wrong things, right? Um, <laughs> a leader in our church a while back uh, got, on a, got texting with her son. Well, she thought she was texting her son. She had forgotten that her son, who lives in another country, she forgot that her son had changed his number. And she began uh, texting him. And he responded who she thought was her son. And this stranger responded and said, who's this? Well, she thought, well, I'll play along with my son. And she said, a spy. Now, I can't read every word in the text stream because there's profanity. But you'll get the point. He, she goes, a spy. Thinking she's talking to her son, this individual goes, I'll kill a blank. And she's like, get back to the U.S., He responds, no, the president scares me. She responds, he had me find you. (laughs) Who she thought was her son responds, well, probably, because I used to sell him a good batch of Coke. She responds, it's your mother. (laughs) Another word I can't say. He says, blank, ma. This my drug phone, you know better than to be contacting it. (laughs) She in all caps, still thinking she's talking to her son, all caps says, stop, exclamation point. He responds, all caps, stop, exclamation point, texting me. She goes, you texted me. He says, what? All right, for real, who dis? And she's like they kind of got it worked out a little bit. <laughs> How many of you know that we can get fired up in life about all kinds of stuff and our hearts can get diverted in directions that it was never meant to go down? And when we do that, when we allow our flesh to go places that it never was meant to go and, and we think we're just following our heart, we're, we're really not, we're not unearthing the the burning heart like Jeremiah, we're just giving ourselves heartburn. We're just going down pathways that we never were intended to go down. And so, so I need to talk to you just for a few moments today on how can I, how can I cultivate that burning heart so that that's the thing I can follow that'll help me discover who God's really created me to be and to know the difference between that and my flesh. And I think the first thing that I, I need to say is this, and maybe you're well, let me just say it. Here it is. Let Jesus deal with sin in your life. Let and, let, and notice how I said this. I didn't say deal with sin in your life as if you have the responsibility. I said, let Jesus deal with sin in your life. Jesus lovingly, with mercy and with grace, loves us so much. He loves us too much to leave us the way he found us. It's very important that in this era of the church which I by the way love that there has been an amazing revelation of the gospel of grace the the only issue can be where we begin to treat sin lightly as if sin's not a big deal anymore all you have to do is remember the price that Jesus paid that God gave his only begotten son and he died on a bloody cross He was brutally beaten. That tells me sin is not a light matter and that I should not treat it lightly in my life. I need, and I want you to understand today, you will never know who you're created to be if you don't let Jesus deal with the sin of your heart. I'll never know the best version of me if I don't let Jesus shine upon my heart and to show me the wickedness of my own motives. So a lot of people want to to think about, they, they ask the question, God, what do you want me to do? It's not that it's a bad question. It's just not the first question. The first question and the most important question is not, God, what do you want me to do? Because the Bible talks to us about stuff like this, like whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord. Almost as if what you do isn't as important, hear this, as why you do it. You could have a, a noble dream, and most of you do. I don't think anybody here has got a dream of being a drug dealer. I don't think you have a dream of, of, of committing crimes. That's not your goal. You're, you have noble dreams. You want to be a godly mom. You want to be a, a godly father. You want to be a great husband or spouse. or a, You want to be a great business owner and godly. you would be able to take care of other people. You have noble goals. The real question isn't what you want to do. But why do you want to do it? Because why gets to motive. And why deals with our heart. So that, that let, let, me, let me take you to uh, Corinthians. First uh, Corinthians chapter 13. Could you put this up? It says, if I, if I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave, look at this, here's like what you do. If I gave everything I have to the poor, that's pretty noble, and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if my why I did it, if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So you see, church, if you're going to have the right passions, it's got to be motivated by the right reasons. And the only way I can get there, the only way I can unearth the real me is to let Jesus deal with the sin of my motives to let Jesus deal with the sin of my heart. And he is so gracious about it. How many of you are grateful that Jesus doesn't shine light and go, that's right, I told you so. I, I mean, you're just such a mess. And he, just le- he doesn't come with shame. He doesn't come with condemnation. He comes lovingly and gently. But, but listen, with strength. And if we ignore him long enough, you'll feel that strength a little bit, a little bit harder. Come on, tell your neighbor, don't ignore Jesus. Come on, don't ignore him. <laughs> don't, don't. Ignore the Lord. Don't run from God. When we sin, this is what we do. We run away. We hide. It's what mankind did in the garden. Adam and Eve, they just mm, try to hide from God. Like he doesn't, he loses track of you, right? Like whatever. He, he, knows, he knows more about us than we know about ourselves and yet he loves, he loves you deeply. But he loves us too much to leave us this way. The bottom line of everything that I felt God wanted me to share with you was let him deal with that junk. Let him deal with the stuff because I'll never know the wonderful, marvelous me that he created me to be if I keep ignoring sin. I can't keep ignoring it. I can't keep shoving it away. I can't keep running away from it. I got to admit it. And i got to, listen, i got to stop playing the victim card. You know, even in my own life, I've, I've dealt with anxiety off and on. And, and I'm like, the, the tendency in my flesh nature is to maybe blame it on my schedule or blame it on all the needs of other people like you. Blame it on all <laughs> kinds of stuff, right? Can I tell you something? God doesn't look at that and go, aww. You're so right, little boy of mine. <laughs> You've had it hard. He's waiting. Some of us are waiting for God to change circumstances. And we're like, well, if God, God just needs to change it. Maybe, just maybe, there's sin in my own heart that I've been ignoring. Like for me, I came to a place I'm like, God, I repent of unbelief in you because so much of my anxiety is stemmed from my lack of trust in you and how i've actually had these conversations with god like how horrible this must be on your end how close can you be with somebody if they just never really trust you you love them and you want to be close to them and they're just like and you're like why don't you trust me You haven't done this for me. Like, and we blame God. We play the victim card when maybe, I'm just throwing this out. I'm not saying that some of you haven't been victimized or abused and all that. I understand. That's true. But listen, sometimes we, there's some issues in our life where we're not looking inside deep enough. And maybe, maybe we're, we're bitter. I'm just bitter. I don't like people. And you got good reason. But listen, if anyone has good reason to not like people, it'd be God. (laughs) Right? God has really good reason. He made us and we killed him. And he's like, and I love you. It's like, oh, okay. I'm so sorry for the wickedness of my own heart. I can't find the best version of me if I don't take ownership of some of my stuff. I just feel like sitting down on that point. I really think this is important. What do you need to take ownership of? Quit blaming other people. I understand things have happened, I know. But what about my part? What about the part where I let my heart get hard? What about the part where I ran away from God? What about the part where I, what about my part? I can't control what you do. I can't control what other people do. I can't control how people like me or don't like me or what they say about me. I can't control it, but I can control how I respond. I am responsible for me. And so I've got to allow the Lord to deal with my whys. I've got to allow the Lord to deal with the wickedness of my own heart. This isn't maybe a message that you hear very much in today's current cultural church culture. But let me tell you, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible and we need to, this is, this is by the way, what Jesus preached, what John the Baptist preached. He said, repent. Repent. Not a very popular word. It's not a mean word at all, by the way. Maybe you have a religious connotation about it with some prophet with a long, pointy finger pointing at you as if they're self-righteous, but that's not what the word is, signifies at all. It's just turn around. Come on, think differently. I want to give you a burning heart, not heartburn. burn. <laughs> Revelation chapter two, verses one through six, a letter to churches, and one of them is to the church of Ephesus. And I want to show you what the writer wrote to the church of Ephesus And it says to the angel, which would be the leaders, the pastors, to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden um, lampstands. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You've tested those who say they're apostles and they weren't. You found them liars. And you persevered in a patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. I love this, that how, um, if you ever need to bring correction to somebody, learn from the Bible how God does it, it's the sandwich method. Y'all know the sandwich method? Say something nice about, positive about them, give them the correction, and then give them something positive again. This is what this goes on here. For my, you didn't become weary. Nevertheless, say nevertheless. nevertheless. Here comes the meat of the correction. Nevertheless, all this good stuff you've done, I have this against you. You left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, and what's the word? Repent. Repent, and do the first works, or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you, what's the word? (laughs) And then he says, but this you have, here's the sandwich method again, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate, so good job, (laughs) woo-hoo. Two thoughts out of this scripture that I want you to know the difference between a burning heart and a heartburn and how you can keep your heart alive so that you can, have the, you can discover the best version of you. And that is, is that I gotta let Jesus deal with the sin of my own heart. And then secondly, and this is really how I let Jesus do this. You ready? I just fall madly in love with the Lord. I mean just go head over heels with Je- in love with Jesus. Because in that revelation too, it says here's the thing I have against you. You left your first love. You see, the Lord said this. He said, you must love the Lord with some of your heart. No, no, that's not what I said it. You must love the Lord and other things with 38% of your heart. He goes, you must love the Lord with what all your heart. And I want you to see it. He goes, all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is not just a commandment. It's it's to reveal the best version of you. If you want to find out who I really made you to be, then don't let your flesh, don't follow the sinful, passionate desires of your flesh. Don't follow that like the culture would encourage you to do. Let me deal with the sins, and then fall madly in love with me and all light your heart on fire with the right stuff. Psalm 37. This is the first promise that the Lord ever gave my mom. And it's a promise that I think the Lord wants to give to all of you. Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you your heart's desire. Now listen, I don't see that as if I love God, I get everything I want. It's not that. It's if I will love the Lord with all my heart, he'll place a burning heart in me. And the things that I'm supposed to be passionate about will be there. So I want to encourage somebody today. You want to know what to do and you want to know if what you're passionate or fired up about is from God. If you will do these two things, I promise you, what's left in you still burning after you let the Lord deal with sin in your heart and you fall madly in love with him, if it's still burning inside you, it's from him. And it is a key to who he made you to be because you let him give you a heart transplant. But if you're like new to Jesus and you or not even know the Lord yet and you haven't you haven't recognized your own wickedness of your own heart haven't allowed yourself to be by the way your lifetime process of always being sensitive to the holy he's by the way his name is the holy spirit who lives in you he's the holy spirit so he if if I'm in a process where Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Lord, forgive me. And if I'm in that process, I can trust whatever's left, what remains is of him. But if I ignore that process, let my heart become hard and no longer, like I don't even remember the last time I've asked for forgiveness for something. Well, then you have went a little bit distance from biblical following Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit is inside of us and bringing us constantly into right direction so our heart is not diverted in the wrong direction, but so our heart is always back to, I wanna fall madly in love with the Lord. Because here's the deal, what I learned, is that when, I cannot get free of sin by trying hard. That's why I didn't say, deal with sin. I didn't say it like that. I said, let Jesus deal with sin. And I want you to know how how to do it. Fall madly in love with him. Because here's what you'll, you'll you'll discover: if you focus on your sin, your sin will define you. But if you'll focus on your Savior, your Savior will define you. So I have to fall madly in love with Him, not not in my not putting my trust in myself. I better try hard. I gotta try hard. That's what shame will do. That's what condemnation will do. It'll be like that's right. I gotta focus on sin. I gotta listen. <laughs> if you will fall madly in love with the Lord you'll be sensitive to sin in your life you'll you'll here's what'll happen here's how it'll work you want your marriage to blossom it takes two people falling madly in love with jesus and what happens when they fall madly in love with jesus they both become sensitive and they both learn how to say i'm sorry will you forgive me you want a great business you want great friendships it's everyone you fall madly in love with the lord and then he begins to convict you and says hey you need to ask for, oh, get that out of your heart. Confess it. All right, get rid ready. All right, good. We're good. All right, let's keep going. Otherwise, listen, sin, undealt with sin in my life, it's like just piling dirt on me. And it piles dirt on the burning heart. And it just, it's not that it goes out completely. It just, it's just smoldering. It's just underneath. It's there, but I, I lose track of it. And I'm no longer living the best version of me and i then I start I just just follow my own passionate fleshly desires but that's not you that's not who you really are who you really are is deeper inside of you it's 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 by the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God is in the business of cleansing us and and Jesus is in the business of of of, of as I follow him and fall madly in love with him things just begin to fall off like when I was a kid I, I'm the old old school where we played marbles we played in dirt not just on screens, right? We played in dirt, actual dirt. And we drew circles in the ground and we carried marbles in marble bags. And we would, we would play in the dirt. And then I liked that. But I didn't, I didn't grow up and go, don't play marbles anymore. I didn't even have to discipline myself not to play marbles. That just basketball came along. And I was horrible at it. And then something else, I fell. And then it was like, it was falling in love with something greater that always helped me leave something lesser behind. And so, if I will just see the mercy of God and the, the loving, please see the loving, compassionate, brutally beaten Jesus on your behalf, saying, Let me help you discover the best version of you. And I want to brush off all that dirt, all that earth stuff. All the stuff of your flesh that is diverting your heart in the wrong direction. And I want to give you a burning heart. One that's all about others. One that's all about eternity. And one that will cause the best version of you to shine. How many of you say, I want that. I want that today. So I want to pray for you today. Let's just, can we be sensitive to the Holy Spirit today? And, The stuff that maybe that we haven't been paying attention to, the stuff that we've been playing the victim card with God on or with other people, can we just say, God, forgive me for the wickedness of my own heart. I I believe this with all my heart that today, by just looking into the eyes of a loving Savior and we admit some stuff, he'll go, thank you for admitting it. Now I can blow it off of your life. I can free you from it. And I can cleanse your heart from all that stuff that is keeping the best version of you from shining and rising up. So Father, today I pray for your church. I pray for your people. And I ask today that you would help us through your eyes, your eyes of compassion, your eyes of mercy, your eyes of love, to see the stuff that you want us to admit about ourselves. Forgive me for my lack of trust. Forgive me for my hard heart. Forgive me for my unforgiveness. Forgive me for my anger. Forgive me for my pride. Forgive me for my greed. Forgive me. Thank you for your grace, for your mercy. And we lift up our hearts to you and we say, cleanse them because we want to have burning hearts. We want, we want that, that, the passion that you designed us to live for to overrule all the fleshly passions. We want it to no longer be us that live, but it to be Christ that lives in us today. And we want to remember our first love. So with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room right now, I want to give an opportunity For somebody today that would say, Bob, I I don't know if I'm right with God or I'm pretty sure I'm not. or I don't know if I've ever truly given my life over to Jesus. Well, maybe you're like, it's time for me to come back home. I'm what Jesus told a story about. It's called a prodigal son. If that's you and you know you need to get your life right with Jesus and you feel far from God today, I want to say a prayer right where you're seated. I'm not going to call you forward, but I just want to, pray with you. And our team is going to, our whole church is going to pray together out loud right now. And right where you're sitting, I want you to imagine Jesus standing right before you with compassion in his eyes, ready to forgive you and ready to embrace you and to to make you what the Bible says is born again. So church, come on, all of us pray together right here. Just repeat after me and mean this sincerely from your heart. Here we go. Jesus, here I am today in need of forgiveness. I don't want to be Far from you anymore. Forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart that I may be born again. I pray this today in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, Amen. Amen. Amen.